Hey, this is Aaron Guyette from Leaders of Leaders and Living.fit. And if you want to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy, you should be listening to Stories That Sell with my friend, Scott Ramage. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey, everybody. In this episode of Stories to Sell, I chat with my good friend, Aaron Guyette. Aaron wears a lot of hats. He's led the Marines in Iraq. Uh, he has built out businesses and sold them. Man, he's been in jail. <laughs> um, he's done a lot of things. He is the founder of Leaders of Leaders and Develops Leaders, uh, which is really cool. And he also is the founder of 100 in His Strength. And he works with Active.fit, among other things. This man is amazing. And uh, we chat about a lot of things, but basically from, you know, from, from going to jail to uh, success in business, to finding out what doesn't work in your life, uh, how to design a business that you can sell and why the power of organization will really revolutionize your success and um, how organization actually creates freedom. It's This is a great episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Before we get started with our next episode of Stories That Sell, can you imagine having a team of virtual professionals helping you get massive amounts of work done from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, editing videos, creating social media content? Actually, the list just goes on and on. The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your productivity skyrockets while performing tasks and roles you simply don't have the skills to do. We offer a wide range of services that will help you run your business and save money. Check out theaceforgyms.com, book an appointment, no pressure. You'll just find out what it is we do and if we're a good match for you. Again, that's vasforgyms.com, B-A-S-F-O-R-G-Y-M-S. And it's good for you if you're a small business and not a gym as well. And now on to the part of the show I'm very excited about. Welcome, Aaron. Ah, What's up, Scott? Thank you. Uh, really glad to have you. We've been kind of like on this little uh, podcasting run together. So yeah. Yeah, this should just flow right along. For those of you who don't know, I also have a podcast called The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. And Aaron, first, yeah, he's wearing his his BOF gear, which is awesome. I put my BOF hat on after I saw him. I thought I better represent. But um, once I interviewed you on The Brotherhood of Fatherhood and then heard some other podcasts you're in, I'm like, this guy's got a story to tell and we got to put it out there. So again, welcome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to share my story and hopefully help at least one person. <laughs> oh yeah. No doubt. No doubt. I've learned a lot from you just by listening to uh, 
the things that you've said, but also by following your social media, you have so many things going on. And I think that's going to really resonate with uh, entrepreneurs and business owners who just really do have a lot of irons in the fire. And um, I'm really quite amazed at how you balance it all. So, but what I want to do, because I have heard your story through other podcasts, I want to let you kind of rewind your life and kind of uncoil it in front of us, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I think first and foremost, I would say that um, it's, you know, I do spin quite a few plates, if you will, or, or have my fingers in a lot of different things. I came to a realization. Now, some people, they love the concept of balance. They love the, the concept that is balance or whatever. But I just always, you know, it, it took me running my head into a bunch of crappy scenarios, be it, you know, with my family or, you know, with uh, leadership roles that I had in the Marine Corps or teaching roles that I had in fitness or coaching roles or ownership roles or, you know, you name it, the list goes on going to, you know, my master's, getting my master's degree or whatever to realize that balance is bullshit. And it's all about prioritization for me. And so once I got my priorities right, everything did fall into place. And, and obviously it's not perfect, right? The, or the human world that we live in is not perfect. So nothing gets walked out in perfection. Uh, but it, when it gets walked out in priority, the important things are the things that get done. The important things are the things um, that stay connected and, and stay together, which is, you know, obviously if they're important, they should, right? Um, but oftentimes we, we will lose ourselves in the miscellaneous and lose ourselves in, in you know, some of the funky stuff, trying to call it balance. Um, and, and so, but where did that all come from going all the way back to my childhood? You know, I would say that, uh, st you know, starting out, I, I had glimpses and experiences of really good structure and really good system and really good priorities. But what, what had inevitably and, and unfortunately happened is I got ransacked a bunch of times with the with like my parents were great parents um they exampled hard work really well but they weren't always at home so then you know i was off like doing stupid things or having stupid things done to me you know uh and so trauma just hit right and so like some of that sexual abuse some of that drug abuse some of that's you know going out and being a hoodlum right a derelict um and so that stuff will ransack but the, the cool part is if if we can understand and look back and find the bright spots in that or learn from the trauma and take what would inevitably and normally be PTSD and turn it to PTG, right? So post-traumatic stress disorder, um, where it's a disorder because, man, like things aren't right. And I'm constantly looping and reliving this like shitty experience. Uh, by making shitty choices because this is what I've learned from this crappy experience or or I'm getting flooded with you know hyper vigilance or whatever and, and it's sidelining me from life and I'm not able to partake in life because I'm emotionally a wreck or socially a wreck or relationally a wreck or all of the above uh, and then I'm you know self-medicating with all sorts of different drugs or you know uh, whatever or self-medicating with like sex or self-medicate you know there's a million other things that we can food uh, lack of exercise too much exercise I mean like the list goes on right um and so yeah basically you know now looking back i'm like man i'm super glad that all of those good things happened but also really glad that all those bad things happened because that trauma has now created this growth mindset that i i can't not have and this mindset where i can look and find good patterns that i can 
repeat, you know, over and over and over again and get good results. But a lot of that, you know, stemmed from being able to have a solid belief system from which I could then look to find good things. Like I couldn't even, I wasn't even standing on solid ground. I got out of the Marine Corps. I was a wreck, a nihilistic, in a nihilistic haze, thinking nothing mattered. Why am I, you know, and just like parroting and pretending to be in this society, but really inside my mind, I'm just like, why, why am I even here? Okay. I, you know, I'm not, if I'm not going to kill myself, then I can just go get into fights and, you know, have an addiction to violence, have an addiction to sex, have an addiction to, you know, you name it, right. Um, to try to find some sort of like fleeting feeling of good um, in this nihilistic, who gives a shit anyways, you know, mindset that I was in. But then once, you know, for me, it started as just a spiritual journey, but once, you know, okay, if there is something else, you know, if there is an ultimate good, if there is uh, some sort of ultimate meaning and purpose, I can stand on that and then look around and go, okay, the choices that I'm making obviously have consequences. How can I, how can I make better choices to get better consequences? But when it was, you know, nihilism was like the, the harmony of my life, it didn't really matter, like nothing mattered. So it was like, yeah, I could make a million dollars today and then I could be in jail tomorrow, which like literally happened, right? Like made a bunch of money in business and then ended up in jail because I was making, you know, crappy choices as well as good choices. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. And, and so that's sort of a smattering of a little bit ambiguous, but we want to put some concreteness behind there, right? Joined the Marine Corps at a really young, um, formative age of 18, ended up in combat in Iraq um, and like combat, combat, like ambushed, uh, just almost got killed before I even crossed into, uh, into Iraq from Kuwait uh, from indirect fire. And I was like, man, I trained for three years for this moment and wanted it better, like more than anything else. Like a lot of people were afraid of it or what I was like all about, it. I was freaked out. I was afraid, but I was also like, yeah, let's do this. I had, I had come to grips with my own death. I told God, uh, before I crossed the border, I went to a, a mass. Um, and I grew up like there was Christianity in, in throughout my childhood or whatever. But I, so I prayed to God. I was like, well, if you're real, then you'll kill me because this is a perfect opportunity for you to kill me in combat. And then I'll know if you exist and if there's heaven or hell and, you know, all these existential questions, instead of, instead of having an existential crisis, I just, I just put a, a, a sort of a dilemma on God's plate. Uh, and then unfortunately I didn't die or fortunately. Right. Uh, and so then that began my nihilistic haze, but I, you know, I, we got ambushed in Basra. It, it, like as soon as I almost got smoked with indirect fire, went into the port city of Iraq, got ambushed there. And then did fighting all the way up through Baghdad, right? And and got into you know a bunch of firefights and whatnot up into Baghdad, and then did a, a bunch of security uh, to bring the logistics supply train chain or train through to Baghdad, so we could have the forward observation bases uh, that they ended up creating. And so did a bunch of um, of security basically and and maneuvering, and and then a little bit of a little bit of uh, interaction and, and combat. Uh, in those, um, obviously, and then and then got out of the Marine Corps, nihilistic haze. What the heck am I doing? Just like I started scrapping at a construction yard just to do something. I was married at the time. Ended up getting divorced from this woman. Um, obviously, not making 
the greatest choices and not the most mature human being uh, at that time either. Uh, and, and obviously a proclivity for violence and, and some other things that, you know, can be a good thing if you use it well, but it can also be a horrible thing. And obviously I wasn't violent to her, but, you know, to other men or whatever that I thought might be looking at her or, or trying to defend my friends and just getting right. into way too many altercations that I don't need. Um, but then kind of scraping myself together once I ended up in jail and started to see, okay, choices have consequences and they're there's got to be some sort of ultimate, you know, I, I don't want to say that it's God. I don't want to say there's heaven and hell because I, I should have been killed. And that sh what should have given me all the answers there um, didn't, didn't get the answers. So there's got to be something, you know, what, what is it? What is this something from which I could then say, okay, that gives me a little bit of purpose and meaning so I can get some purpose and meaning from like things like work or uh, you know, being married or, you know, getting with chicks or, you know, whatever, like feeling these little glimpses of, of love, unfortunately, money, fame, uh, sex, you know, all of those things become endless cycles that are just as damaging, right? If you only pursue them, you know, with all of your heart and all of your mind, uh, and, and they don't provide a, a sense of, of ultimate purpose or fulfillment. But the cool part of that is, in doing that and in trying to find out this whole spiritual aspect, you know, I was able to put some pretty rad things together in terms of business. So was pretty much over the corporate world, did the corporate world for a little bit after I did scrap and construction yards, actually helped build out their whole SOPs, learned about SOPs at a way higher level, learned about systems at a way higher level from a corporate standpoint, went into fitness, was at a large chain gym, saw how crappy their systems were. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. started my own thing and then started to build my own systems. And then ultimately that's what, I mean, I failed forward for sure, but ultimately that's what led to me being able to sell my first business, um, which was a gym in Southern California, and then immediately create a new business, which I was immediately able to turn and sell again, and then build another bigger, more robust and scalable model of those, those systems that I had learned, you know, from the Marine Corps, from corporate, from uh, you know, large chain gyms, from owning my own gym, from building my own fitness education company, um, online and in person. And now I'm I'm at Living.fit, doing that with Living.fit and for Living.fit as their education director. Well, on that career path, there's also this like spiritual path that kind of wove its way through, where right before the bubble, like so the bubble popped, but it didn't really like go away. If you remember, like everybody's still leveraging everything out their ass, right? And thinking that it was going to be okay tomorrow. Right. Um, well, so the last thing that they would get rid of, and and so they're well, not their last thing. One of the one of the first things that they would get rid of after they found out that no, they're deep in the red, or they're never coming out of it, right? Uh, the one of the first things that they would cut was fitness. And so I had these like huge clients paying me tons of money, and then basically overnight lost 75% of my business. We had uh, 16 different locations, 18 different trainers, right? Uh, we were making way too much money and not doing near as much work and systems as you need to do to make that money. But during this time, I'm also getting this uh, journey to understanding more articulate and concrete uh, definition of God and who God is to me. And the last thing I want to do is become a Christian. So it was the last thing I ended up doing. I did like self-realization fellowship, I, you know, dabbled in Buddhism, dabbled in Hinduism, uh, 
definitely did a ton of like uh, humanist and universalist uh, Unitarian type churches and things like this, right? Where it's like, it's all about the human and, you know, all of these things and, and nothing against any of them. It's just every step that I took philosophically in there, I just felt like it was, there were only three questions away from kind of dissolving. And I was like, man, there's not really any solid structure with this that I can really build up an ultimate meaning and purpose that allows me to see like that I have worth, that other humans have worth around me, that there's value in service, there's value in sacrifice, there's value in, you know, love. Um, and so it was kind of cool. It ended up crashing together where I lost my ass in business, but then was found and found God, like the most articulate and, and strongest structure that is a belief system, which, you know, technically, you know, considering where I came from losing all of that, I, I should have just lost me in that and just, and there, oh, there's no point in me living because money and sex and all of these things that I thought were highly valuable and prioritized became super low value and lowest on the priorities. Right. And, and so it was this incredible, like overwhelming sense of love and security in the midst of losing everything, um, which, you know, technically shouldn't happen. But that paradox was, I think, just in, incredible for me. And it allowed me to then, now I could risk stuff and know that like, hey, if, if, I, if I lose, you know, what do I lose but some money? What do I lose but some relationships that I should have lost anyways, because they're, they're loving me for reasons or connected with me for reasons that are, you know, money or fame or, you know, all of these things and not for really literally who I am and my character and, you know, what we can now have connected as a relationship. So I, I felt like it was my great reset, like my great start in life. I hit my, the bottom of bottoms. I thought I hit the bottom before. Nope. Then hit the bottom again. Nope. Hit the bottom. Nope. And then, last, okay, you hit the bottom. Now you're truly at the bottom. Okay. Let's build from here and let's build with new priorities, you know, not, not balance, but prioritizing God first, then my wife, then my kids, then my business, right. And build it out from there. And, and then with business, like, what do I, what do I prioritize? Do I prioritize, you know, making a bunch of money or bringing value to people, right. Uh, with a, in a systematic way where, yeah, I'm going to receive a, a reciprocal amount of value in some way, shape or form. Uh, that is usually in, in the form of money. It's kind of how we do it in, in the U S <laughs> at least. Right. Uh, but the, the, it was value first. It was relationship first, right? That was the priority is like, what am I bringing to them from whether, and, th and so then that could actually, I could use that in all of these areas and aspects of my life. I was able to use it in the Marine Corps. Um, and, and still a reservist now in the Marine Corps. So I, I get to bring value to people and teach people and love on people and connect, you know, with, with people so that they can become better. And then in return, I, you know, I get promoted and, you know, all, all the things that happen in the Marine Corps living fit, same thing, right. I get to bring this and fi fi figure out ways to systemize scale and make it sustainable, right. Have this systemized, scalable and sustainable approach to bringing value, which allows us to connect with more people at a much higher level, much higher level of quality. Um, same thing in leaders of leaders, right? I, I, get, I get to give people a systematic approach to intentional leadership so that they can develop leaders instead of just get a bunch of followers. And then out of that is like 
building really solid systems for our homeschool and rites of passage for our kids. Um, and then a discipleship program called 100 in Strength. And so it, uh, all of these horrible things and, and difficulties really actually were just refining moments. I was just going through, you know, the Marine Corps has this something called the crucible for boot camp, and you just basically get your ass handed to you, you get smashed up, you know, having to do a bunch of like rucking and like obstacles. And the whole time you're, you know, like you're not eating enough, you're not drinking enough water, and it's like really difficult. Um, but you earn that's when you earn your Eagle Globe and anchor, right? And so then that Eagle Globe and anchor just means so much more. And I feel like that's the gift that God has given me now in my life. It's like, you know, and he even took himself out of that equation to give me a much more robust and better version of, of him. And obviously it's all in my head, right. In my beliefs. Um, but it was like, Hey, I'll remove myself from the equation, but I, I guarantee you're going to find yourself back here and need me even more. And it's going to be way more meaningful. You know, that, you know, that ego of an anchor, that relationship with me is going to be far more meaningful. So yeah, I try to make it short. On, at the beginning, and I realized it was way too ambiguous, and so I was like, "Okay, let's dive into some of the weeds here." But yeah, maybe that. Yeah, maybe that helps. It's, it's fascinating, and I, it's always fascinating to listen to people talk about their their spiritual journey and how it relates with their business. And it's by no mistake that, in my in my opinion, and in the interviewing I've done, it's it's by no mistake, or there there's so much that happens on the other side of finding your way and finding, uh, you know, maybe if you will, like maybe what your real purpose is, as opposed to what you thought. Of. I mean, you were obviously all destruction on destruction mode for so many years. I want to ask a few business questions. So yeah. you, you built up multiple fitness facilities, either closer. Did you sell that? Yeah. Yeah. So I sold the, the gym, the brick and mortar, yeah. And and then you you did your it's your battle ropes course and training. Yeah, so basically, yeah, ascendancy model of education. So like end user can find value, right? Somebody who's never done fitness coming straight off the couch can find value. Somebody who's been in fitness for forever and teaches fitness can find value. And then the stepping stones or the rungs along the way. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you sold that. And I sold that. Mm -hmm. So why did you sell? these businesses, if you don't mind me asking. <laughs> yeah. So the first, the first business, the brick and mortar, I had these grand, these uh, delusions of grandeur, if we will, mm -hmm. where I was going to become sort of like the next 24 hour fitness or the next uh, Equinox or the next whatever, which it, it's interesting. I, I would guess that if you looked into their accounting, and looked into that process, there might be a little bit more leveraging there than, than what we see on the outside. We see all this great stuff, but is it really great? I don't know. I don't know. Um, and COVID kind of proved some of those things out, right? Some, oh, some yeah, bankruptcies absolutely. were going around at, at the rapid rate, but uh, uh, right. So um, yeah, so I had delusions of grandeur that I was going to do this huge corporate chain thing or whatever. And I was like, I was going to be the, the company that paid trainers, what I believe that they are worth. Cause I, I think every trainer and coach gets underpaid, right. And, and, and are, are undervalued for what they do. Um, and we were going to, you know, be the very best in, in terms of education and in terms of programming, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, what I ran into is like basic, like business problems, like you, you need to have more dollar left at the end of the week than week left at the end of the dollar. Uh, you, 
you know, basic budgetary, you know, constraints, um, legal problems, right? Uh, taxation problems, um, marketing, and like, what? okay, what, what does that mean? And how, how does that work? Because, you know, at first, it was like, I only did word of mouth, I only did sort of the grassroots approach, which I think is incredible. But then there's all sorts of other things that we can leverage. And then you and then you add social media into it. And it's like, every social media platform adds a new angle and a new, almost even a new business model. It can add a new business model for sure. Um, and then, okay. And then just how, okay, how are you going to help this person get better? If how you did it before was I would stand in front of you. I would, you know, think all night and write your programming through the night. <laughs> then I'd come in the next morning and I've written all these people's programming. And then I tell you what to do. It's like, well, okay, that works for, 20 people because you can cram in, you know, that many people in a week or whatever. But what if you want to serve a hundred people? What about if you want to serve 200? What about 2000? What about 20,000? It's like, now you've got scalability issues because I, I can't just go and, and search and scour and find another Aaron Guyette. I would have to clone me to get another Aaron Guyette. So, okay. How then now, now we're into hiring. How do we do hiring and right? all this stuff. Um, anyway, so all that to be said, I, I realized that <clears throat> if I want to do this delusion of grandeur and make it not a delusion, but a uh, but a vision and and walk out this huge um, scaled thing, well, I'm going to have to build some systems. Well, as I'm building the systems, I'm like, okay, there's you know problems that I'm finding in this. Uh, my wife was actually like, well, okay, whatever you do, you have to figure out how to do that in Northern California, because we're not living here anymore. You've said, you know, however many times that you're going to do X, Y, Z or PDQ again, delusion, insert delusion of grandeur here, right? Uh, it has not happened yet. I'm going to, I'm giving you five years. Um, you can figure out how you're going to do whatever you're going to do so that we can live closer to my family in Northern California. It really is her, just her dad and then her family friends. So the rad part is that just actually setting that time constraint put me like into, again, working on the business instead of in the business. And so really thinking through every single system hiring and firing and uh, pay and you know, all all of those things right that that you find out that you have to wear all these hats or figure out like VAs for gyms or whatever where somebody else can wear these hats or whatever for you um, and somehow leverage that so so it, the first way was you know I had to because my wife and there was a bunch of different ways that we could have done that where I could have got a manager I could have I, we even talked about like doing a co-op gym. Um, there was a bunch of different, you know, sort of methods, but it ended up, you know, as uh, I believe it was divinely ordained. There was way too many coincidences for it to be a coincidence um, that we ended up selling it. And and so it was just clean, clean break, could move and set again. So before I sold that gym, I was already starting to educate for um, Onnit Academy uh, just kind of a moonlighting thing, right? Educating for Onnit Academy, uh, Battle Ropes, and and got John Brookfield was like the, the guy with Battle Ropes. He like passed the torch. And so then created Battle Ropes Education. But but when I created that, I was already, you know, creating systems and stuff. I was like, okay, I'm going to design a business that I can sell. Like yeah. I want to be able to sell this business. If I could start all over, how would I start this? 
And so started all over and did it completely different than, you know, brick and mortar and what we, what we built and, and had in Southern California. And I had business partners and all sorts of different things uh, happen in all of that. And we don't have to get into it, but um, even with like the sale and, and stuff like that, but we don't have to get into it. But that building an education company, I was like, I want to build an education company, but I want it to also educate people that are you know, highly sedentary that want to just move. And I just happened to niche it around battle ropes because I was like the only guy going out and teaching that. And John Brookfield was the other guy, but he handed me the torch. So I'm like, okay, well, I can be the guy, even, even though there is a problem with that because it's not keyword rich on Google or anything like that. So therein lies the rub. But the beauty is I was able to get into equinoxes and teach it uh, equinoxes around the world. Uh, teach a bunch of small uh, chain, small gyms, you know, around the world um, and build a, an online platform where once I left, they had somewhere to go to continue learning and get this continued education, as well as, you know, basic programs and basic things for, for people that just wanted to work out and had a battle rope and, okay, how do I do it? And so the, the rad part of that is that ascendancy model is really attractive for a business that wants to implement end user style, member style training and programming and workouts, as well as education for trainers and coaches. And so living fit just happened to get created um, and sort of was born out of uh, Kettlebell Kings. And so then we had that conversation and I, I sold it way faster. I was planning on selling it in three years. So I sold it in basically a year and a half, two years um, from when I was like, okay, I'll sell it from three years from now. And then a year and a half later, it sold. And and then I started basically building out the same stuff, but at scale, even at greater scale, because now it's battle ropes and it's kettlebells and it's body weight and it's dumbbells and it's all the fitness equipment, right? Plus nutrition. And so we're now opening up and creating this pretty robust fitness solution, if you will, for members and for trainers and coaches. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I'm just ankle deep in it and what living fit is, it's pretty robust. It's been really cool. You said something that really struck a chord with me because I think if more business owners would do what you did, I think they'd have much longer lasting um, business, much more viable business. And that's building a business that is actually sellable. That's actually transferable. Because I think you and I both believe very firmly in having uh, SOPs for everything. Like everything's repeatable. You know, they're written in a way where someone can come off the street and come in and operate. And um, it doesn't sound like that's what you did with your first businesses. It's certainly not what I did with my first businesses. But the, the more I've realized that, the more freedom has been created. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. As soon as I started doing that with the first business, that's what allowed me to go get my master's degree. That's what allowed me to go be a Marine again as a reservist, right? I, I wouldn't have been able to do those things otherwise. It allowed me to be a better father, right? So that's right. how the second business is built for sure. It's like we're starting from here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm very intrigued with your your methodology for because we I've seen a little bit of it and I've talked to you a little bit about it, but your methodology for raising your kids, there's so much intentionality there. I'm like, oh my gosh, mind blowing. I have teenagers. So now it's like doing whatever I can to catch up with the time that I have. 
So um, that's like a whole nother podcast. Actually, it is. It's on Barthood of Fatherhood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here we, we go. Didn't talk about that. Listen to that episode. Yeah, yeah. It's not out yet, but it's coming. Um, <laughs> the the uh, I want to transition because that is an incredible story that probably has like so many layers that we could unwrap and and have an episode for each single one. I mean, even this whole you know, this destructive phase you went through, like, hey, God, kill me. So it true, it proves that you are real, which is something I've never heard before. And it's quite a profound thought. But um, like, you've talked a little bit about SOPs and order and, and, and those things. So I'm, I'm guessing that's kind of part of your success quotient. What other things do you do uh, with all of the projects you have going on that really you leverage knowing that that's going to move the needle in your efforts? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so another quick uh, dip into that, I would say, and so this is, and this might sound militant and hyper-organized, uh, too linear, too analytical. I will tell you when you walk it out, it is the furthest thing from the truth. It just basically gives the artist a canvas and gives him the paints. Once, you know, like once you have that and, and, and then, the subject to actually paint or whatever. Once you have that, then it's your creativity on how you fill in that structure. But I don't, I don't do anything without be, at least being able to think through how this can be systemized, right? Yeah. I take a systematic approach to literally everything, to my marriage, to uh, my discipleship in Christ, uh, to my parenting with my kids, to my business. And I will tell you what doesn't happen is from time to time, like I will get frustrated because I've communicated an expectation that's not being done, right? Either it's my fault that it's not being done or it's my kid's fault or it's my wife's fault or it's you know the world's fault or whatever, right? Um, but more often than not, I experience these incredibly robust human experiences because I'm taking an intentional and systematic approach to the things that I do in life. Um, and so I will say that the most life-changing thing that I've done first is my relationship with Christ. Uh, that has literally opened the door to all sorts of new transformation or, or at least uh, spiritual formation, which uh, I believe spirit ends up uh, creating this intrinsic outpouring into physical and mental and, and all sorts of other stuff. Um, and everybody has a spiritual life, right? Everybody has some sort of spiritual right. formation, even the atheist, right? It's like, but yours is based on belief that God doesn't exist. And that's fine as well, right? But that will, how does that not form our worldview? How does that not form how we see and experience things and step things out and communicate things and all of that stuff, right? So um, I think first and foremost is that, but then secondly is um, having a, morning routine or ritual or whatever. And it doesn't have to be morning. It could be a, but a daily, a daily habit that you can then start to stack new habits on. Um, the whole concept of habit stacking, I think is incredible. It's, uh, it's why I, I literally will go anytime I travel, uh, around the world or whatever, I will try to find a used bookstore and I will try to find a, a, a different copy of the tortoise and the hare, um, because the hare never wins. The tortoise always wins every single time, no matter what language the book is in, no, no matter uh, who the illustrator is, no matter who the, you know, obviously the original author is Aesop or Aesop, 
however you say his name, right? Uh, the, the Greek guy. Uh, but it's rewritten a billion different ways. It's on cartoons and all sorts of stuff. And the hair never wins in that story. And there's a reason why, like erratic, right? Random, right. fast bursts of stuff doesn't get anything done, but slow and steady, or I would say incremental and steady or incremental consistency is what makes incredible things happen. It's we, we overestimate the things that we can get done in an hour, the things that we can get done in a day and a week. And we underestimate what we can get done in a month, what we can get done in a year, what we can get done or what we can accomplish in a decade. And the only way that that decade incredible, you know, magnificent, great thing that you have done gets done is a slow and steady daily or weekly approach to that thing. Um, and so we, again, our house, we tackle things like learning language, right? Learning a new language. Every three years, we tackle things uh, like uh, learning, you know, how the written language gets put together and how to write more effectively. Uh, and then, of course, things like science and math and all the, all the other things that come with that. Um, as well as, you know, scripture, as well as our relationship with each other as well. And so everything has this sort of intentional approach. And it, I, all of that stems from my first morning routine, which was uh, words of affirmation that I just repeated over and over and over again. Um, and, you know, it started pretty small. It was like five minutes, 10 minutes, one minute, depending on the day. Like once I felt, I started with, I'm awake, I'm alive, I'm energized. And I would just say that over and over and over again until I felt awake and alive and energized. And then I could go kick ass in my job or, you know, do whatever with my relationships or, or whatnot. Right. Um, and I would get up super early. I'd have to, because I was right at that time training. Um, but it all started with that small little one minute, five minute, 10 minute, depending on the day however long it took for me to feel awake and alive and energized. But then it started to grow into something way bigger. Um, and I, I just basically stacked a new habit on it and stacked a new habit on it. And now I've, now I believe my life creates my morning routine or gives space for my morning routine rather. But in order to have that, I needed to have a morning routine that created my life. Right. And so, and then, you know, out of that outpouring of gratefulness and, and starting off correctly, right. Then now I'm able to structure my life so that I can hold that um, ritual sacred and hold that time, which is, is so important for my person, my relationship with God, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my work, right. Um, and, and friends and out and, and, and on to the world. Right. Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. I, I can't express how repeatedly and how important that habit stacking is. And as well as creating a routine, um, that you're, you're building into your day that the way I say it, and I, I don't know if I stole this from somebody, but I've been saying it for a while is you, you command your day or your day commands you. And that yep. includes how you think that includes the words that you say, it includes the, your physical actions, and um, the order in which you put importance on things was you in, you opened right away saying for you it's God then your wife and kids and my la my value ladder is exactly the same it's up to those points for sure and yeah. um, creating order again I mean we kind of keep focusing back on an order but creating order in what is important to you um, will help your business right I mean that's basically what you're saying yeah uh, so with the little bit of time we have left, I'd love to find out what is one of the 
books or resources that you have consumed in the last year, two years that has really moved the needle for you that you could share with uh, our listeners? I think Profit First was perfect. Uh, I, I used Profit First and financial uh, Dave Ramsey's financial piece. So Mike McCallowitz, anything from him, I think is gold, right? Because he, yeah. he has that systematic mindset, making something sellable, right? And, and so then if it's sellable, like that means you're making money so you can choose to stay in it or you could choose to sell it. Like, awesome, right? Um, <clears throat> so from kind of a business standpoint, Mike McCallowitz, uh, anything from Jim Collins, uh, like how the mighty have fallen or good to great is good to great is amazing. I think uh, whether it's small business or large business, yeah. and obviously he's talking about bigger corporations and stuff. Um, but it works the same, you know, down, even if you only have one employee or you got a team of virtual assistants or whatever it is that your business is. Um, so anything by Jim Collins, just epic and incredible. One that's really helped out uh, recently is Team of Teams by General McChrystal. Um, and it's basically, it tells the story of like the issue with uh, the military special forces teams. So there's SF and then there's SEALs and you can, you can have force recon and MARSOC and um, all these different groups. Then you have CIA, DEA, uh, FBI, and all of them keep their information to themselves, which is the problem. Right. Right. Because they can't all, if you keep the information to yourself, then that means you have to go out and, and operate with that information to fix the problem that that information is. Right. And so what he did in Iraq during sort of Iraq's heyday, if you will, where it was um, gnarliest, right, is he broke down all of the walls between all of these organizations by taking the best of each of those teams and putting them wow. on different teams and forcing them to communicate with each other. So what you lose in that is you lose protecting your assets at the highest level, right? So you lose a little bit of security, but what you gain in that is you gain this massive amount of trust and this massive amount of communication that happens in a snap of a finger. And so they were actually able to stop terrorist actions before they could even finish making the bombs. Whereas prior to that, they were cleaning up the human debris from the bombs, right? And then right. trying to set up security and then trying to go after the, the terrorists, right? Which that's not where you want to be. You want to be, that's what we call that right of bang, right? In the Marine Corps or combat hunter, call that right of bang. You want to be as left of bang as possible. Um, and you want to be as left of bang as possible in life and in business as well. So team of teams, I think is just an incredible read. And then right alongside that is Scrum, uh, where it's, again, it's all about, you know, getting your ego out of it, getting the, the metrics that matter out in front of you to create a backlog of tasks that you have to do and then doing it in sprints, like taking yep. a couple of weeks. This is the thing that we're going to focus on. We're going to sprint on this for four weeks or six weeks, and we're going to try to get as much of it done in that six weeks as possible. And what you typically find is if you're focusing on the one thing, you will actually get done with it faster than what you had anticipated. Always. And then you can move on to the next thing, right? Um, yep. So Scrum is another just mind blower in terms of, and so all of those are, are all sort of business reads. Uh, the, the, a book that has blown my mind that I, I read it in one day uh, last week, and I just couldn't not read it. I just couldn't, I, ha I, like, I had to just keep 
devouring every single word because it was written so eloquently with this such incredible like literary ownership um, or literature ownership. But as well, the story was just, it just sucked you in. And it's uh, Andrew Clavin's The Great Good Thing. And it's a, it's a story about a secular Jew who comes to Christ. And, and so even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not Jewish, if you're secular, pagan, whatever, right, you will get so much from just a storytelling aspect. He does such a great job telling a story that if you could just read it just for the story so that your mm. storytelling could be sharper, right? That's awesome. I've written both of those down. That's really great. Um, all right, last question, and then we'll kind of hear more about what you're doing at this time. So you can kind of pu push those, which we definitely right. want. Uh, real quick, like just one piece of advice, if you could go back in time and give to yourself, what would that be? Uh, I, I, you know, I, number one, I know that I wouldn't have listened to myself. Like anytime <laughs> I get this question, right. It's like, I was so hard. I, I still am pretty hard headed. Right. I was like, still pretty like, ah, oh, this is the wife. And like, Oh no, you're right. Like I can forgive myself and forgive others like way faster and, and ask for forgiveness way faster now, which is uh, a strength. But if I'm in something, it's like, no, 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 this is what's going to happen. I think I would just be like, Hey, it's going to be okay. Mm. Like, yeah, it's going to be, it, you know, I've been there. Like I'm you from the future. I've been there. There's going to be a lot of shit, but it's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, and just, I think just a little bit of encouragement um, because I know that I would be like, Oh, you know, listen to wise counsel and do what they like. That would be amazing. Like if I actually did that, but I know I wouldn't have. So it's like, I've, I've started to now cause I've learned the hard way. It's like, okay, get some wise counsel, listen to wise counsel and learn from other people's mistakes. Don't make your own, you know, all those things. But yeah. I knew I, I, I know I wouldn't listen to myself. So I'd just be like, it's going to be okay, bud. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. All right. So I want to hear uh, just all the things you're doing. And then I will, I'll tell you that we will put all of the links in the show notes. So if you guys want to find more on Aaron Guyette, just go to the show notes in the Apple podcast. Uh, I don't know if they're, I think they're in the YouTube channel, but you can always find it in the Apple podcast. So go ahead and just give us a quick rundown and we'll make sure we connect those for you. Yeah. So if you're looking to uh, lose a little bit of body fat or get a little bit stronger or learn how to be way more effective at coaching that, uh, definitely want to check out living.fit um, in any channel, right? You can check us out on Instagram, living.fit. You can check us out or living fit, I think. Uh, YouTube, living fit, living.fit is like the URL, literally. Um, you can check us out there and there's just a, a gold mine of information and there's so much free stuff that you don't have to spend a dime to get a ton of really valuable information. Um, and then if you love it and you want to devour more then obviously then there's all sorts of different ways to devour that information. Um, I do leaders of leaders stuff, but I'm not going to, I don't want to lead you astray and have you go to AaronGaia.com or leadersofleaders.org or whatever. Don't go to those. Start small. Start at 100 in his strength. Start because all of leaders of leaders is it's a nonprofit. It's a it's a Christ following nonprofit, Christ discipling nonprofit. Um, and to me, it's like that's where it all begins. Anyways, is a belief system. But if you haven't counted the cost of discipleship, um, and then if you're not discipling, um, and then you're not discipling others, 
like, well, like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> anyways, if you're, if you call yourself a Christian, right. I'm so over Christians that just mouth the words, but have the worst fruit, the worst actions to back it up. It's like, that's yeah. why people hate Christians. That's why Absolutely. people hate the church. That's why, you know, like that's Gandhi said it. Like if every Christian acted like Christ, every, the whole world would be Christian. Um, and I totally believe that that's true. So start at hundred in his strength, count the cost. Um, it's a, it's a hundred day course program split up into four different courses. So you don't have to do all hundred days. You don't have to feel overwhelmed. Um, it's very, you know, it's, you could be your morning routine. It could give you a morning routine, uh, just in that. Um, yeah. And, and we basically look at, you know, uh, worship and then scripture and then prayer and then journaling and then exercise and then love and using the five love languages to love yourself, love God and love others. Um, but it makes, it breaks it down super simple and walks you through every single day um, in that. And, and we're, I just started it. So we're at day 74 today. Yeah. And then obviously you could, Aaron, you can look up Google Aaron Guyette. There's only one other Aaron Guyette who happened to actually get into the fitness industry, but he's been following me and I've been following him since he's like 11 years old. And it kind of sounds creepy or whatever, but he has Aaron, Aaron guy. It's his name. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool to like, see him grow into who he's grown into. Um, I'm sure he's probably like, uh, like you're all over the internet. What the heck? My <laughs> name in my name. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's awesome. But yeah. Aaron, thank you so much. I know you have so much to offer and it's very obvious and um, your journey definitely has a lot of lessons uh, that other people could use you instead of going through. So thank you for sharing those. Man, thank you for the opportunity, Scott. Always appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.